Hello, Line Cook Nation. This is Ray DeLucci with the Line Cook Thoughts Podcast. In this episode, I got to interview Dylan Mara. Dylan is a chef turned knife maker, and he's very talented. He's building his brand on himself, and he's really just, you know, going out there and making knives and making high-quality products for chefs to use. And we talk about knife making, so if you're into knives, this is definitely the episode for you. And we also talk about the importance of building your own brand, and maybe if uh, the kitchen isn't, you know, your passion, if you find something, like, super, I guess... You just hone in on something like Dylan has with knives. You can make, you know, such a great atmosphere and such a great career out of it like he's doing right now. He's happy doing his knife work. He's making products for chefs for the industry. And I think it's great to see um, not just cooks on the podcast, but people in the food industry who are doing things besides cooking. Um, And Dylan does have line experience and he talks about that. But I really was just happy to interview him due to the fact that he's building his own personal brand. He realized that what he wanted to do doesn't necessarily, you know, align with what a lot of people do when they get into the industry, but he's found his niche and he's doing really well. So really go support him. Uh, We're going to talk a lot about his knives and his brand in the episode, but just go support him. You know, I encourage you to buy his knives. Um, They're beautiful. They're well-made and I really hope he gains a lot of customers from y'all listening to this so yeah there you go and thank you for listening as always before we get into the interview today i just wanted to say thank you so much to everyone out there it's been a great three months we're three months old now line cook nation going strong and it's just crazy how far we've grown from literally uh posting on instagram about my own thoughts to sharing uh, sharing to 1,800 people, 1,800 cooks, to making a podcast that has over 3,000 listens. Uh, it's you know we're small but mighty right now, but to see it grow in the last three months to what it is now, to having merchandise and you know just connecting to a lot of people and the guests that are going to be on the show, it's been really jaw dropping and it's been one of the you know most beneficial things I've ever done. And it would not be possible without all of you wanting to support each other and, you know, throw your ideas out there. So thank you again. This is just a thank you message for the great three months. And I look forward to next month and to see how many cooks we can reach. Um, On that note, it would be really awesome if we could reach more cooks. I like our growth right now. And I want to hit 2,000 before next month. Uh, Followers on Instagram, we're around 1,800 right now. Uh, I think that's very doable. So just keep sharing and you know, shouting me out or shouting the page out and shouting out your fellow cooks and just let's keep building this community. Thank you so much. Hey, Don, how's it going? Hey, how's it going? Doing well. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, no problem. Uh, so uh, just to kind of introduce you, uh, Dylan is a knife maker for a small plate blades and basically he's just started this company on his own um he's been doing great work with knives and i wanted to kind of pick his brain on knife working how he started out and all that kind of stuff so dylan if you just want to like tell me where you're from um and like what like what you do now like what your job is now all right so yeah i'm uh, i'm from jersey lived here my whole life um so i guess i can dive into a little past experience so i was a chef uh for about eight years um, and then, yeah, got into my knife making kind of thing. So right now, yeah, I'm essentially just a knife maker, entrepreneur, you know, small business owner. 
um, since I'm a one man show, I'm kind of doing it all knife making, marketing, um, you know, talking to clients and stuff like that. So it's been a big change from being in the kitchen, but um, it's, it's really fun. Awesome. And like, what were you, like, what you were, said you were a chef? Like, what were your, what was your role through those eight years? Um, so when I first started out, uh, my first job was Cracker Barrel. Um, my buddy was like, come over, you know, $10 an hour. And at the time I was like, that sounds great. Um, they were really busy. So they pretty much threw me in the weeds and, you know, Cracker Barrel was my first job. Went through, um, you know, pizza shops, cafes, um, and then eventually landed into the fine dining area to where I was actually training to be a chef, you know? So after mm-hmm. studying and, and doing all that, um, I was built up to just be, I was, I was trying to go, go for the Michelin star, you know, pretty much what we all want to do. Um, so that's pretty much what my goal was. Um, so I worked up to, to be a sous chef and then that's pretty much where I ended my career actually in, in the kitchen. Really? And like, I guess what made you switch in your mind from like wanting to get a Michelin star to realizing that maybe there's more out there that you want to try? So uh, when I was in culinary school, they had this um, guy come over from uh, doing a seafood demonstration. And he said there was much more to do in the industry than just being in the kitchen. And at the time, I was so stuck in the kitchen, you know, trying to be the best chef. I was like, eh, I can't really take that advice, but it stuck with me, you know. So for me to be able to do something pertaining to the industry while, you know, not being in the kitchen the rest of my life, I was really into that. Um, and then that's what actually got me into knife making to where I had the idea of looking around and seeing everyone's knives and everyone has great steel and stuff, but, you know, just a regular black handle. So I really just wanted to make my own knife and that's how I started. Awesome. Was there like a moment, like, where you were at work where you were just like, like, you know, this has been great, but I think I can offer more to the industry or was it just a combination of all those years? Absolutely. So it it was just really a moment at work, you know. Um, I was with my buddy Mike, um, who was actually trained to be a sous chef, um, and we just sat there talking. And I said, I want to make a knife, you know. So after you know thinking of ideas and just really just talking, and at the time we were actually creating menu ideas, you know. And I remember the exact moment we were we were creating a pork belly dish, and I sat there, you know, and I, I thought about how I plate my dishes, you know, just from bottom to top, you know, puree to protein to a veg. And um, I said, what if I apply these techniques, you know, to like my, my knife making, have something cool with it, you know, something different. And yeah, I really, that idea just created right before service, you know? And then yeah. the, the next day I, I went online and just started researching and researching and it brought me to here. Awesome. And so then how did you get started? Because like, I couldn't even imagine where to begin on knife making. Like, do you have a background at all in working with metal? Or like, is this something you just, was it, you were just like, let's do it. Yeah. I, I don't have a background at all. I mean, it was kind of just like, I've used a knife my whole career, you know? So it was kind of, it was kind of weird to be using something that I really didn't know fully about. If you really think yeah. about it, you know? So, um, yeah, I did, I really didn't know anything. Um, so I went on YouTube one day, um, before I had the idea and I like, just something popped up. It said knife making. And I was like, oh, okay, this is cool. Um, so I, you know, started looking at videos and just research and research and research. Went on Instagram, um, found cool knife makers, which I didn't even know was a thing at the time. So there's a huge industry and I had no idea about it, you know? Yeah. Um, so I started to reach out on people on there and, um, you know, started to get advice, tips and tricks and pretty much how to start 
Um, so the one guy was just pretty much like, hey, get the machines and start. You know, it's not going to start itself. So that's mm. exactly what I did. Awesome. And what, like, what machines did you have to get? Um, so first started off, the, the startup was for, for myself was pretty simple. You know, I mean, there's a lot of businesses out there that'll like drop $500,000 to open a shop and do this and do that. Um, for me, it was pretty much I got the basic stuff just because I didn't really know what I was doing yet, you know. So mm-hmm. I started off with the bandsaw, a sander, um, you know, shop vac for, you know, collecting sawdust and small stuff like that. I really only had three machines to start off. And then, um, you know, hand sander and just small tools to actually, you know, pretty much get the job done the way I, I wanted to get done. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's pretty much it for for starting out. The, the, and it was a small cost. So, I mean, you know, probably a thousand dollars to actually get myself going. Um, yeah. And that's that's pretty much it. Great. And can you so like I, like I really don't have a frame of how like I, I mean, I understand how knives. Like what they are, but like, do you like how do you get your metal? Like, is it? already come kind of in the form of a blade like can you just walk us through obviously yeah. something that you do specifically and don't tell us but like can you give us a general overview of how a knife is made because i Absolutely. feel like a lot of people including me don't know yeah so um in the knife maker world there's pretty much two types of knife makers um you have the guys who forge steel which is you know pretty the old school method um really no wrong or right method um that's what i love about it it's kind of like food you know Really, no wrong or rights. You, it's all about the end result, um, and 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 the process too. You got to love your process. So, if forging isn't for you, then you don't want to do that. So, the other type of um, knife making is stock removal, which is where you can order um, steel from. You know, I get it from um, uh, local steel companies. So they'll send you um, sheets of steel that you can then you know trace your knife out, um, grind down, and then heat treat, and then you know finally move on to a finished blade now forging is a little more difficult that's for more blacksmith blacksmiths who actually enjoy um you know creating their own metals takes a lot of time it takes a lot of time but you know the end result of that is phenomenal um so yeah that's that's pretty much the two different types of methods so if you're a blacksmith who wants to you know actually create his own metal you know and hammer and forge and, and get in there totally fine it's also very expensive um, stock yeah. removal is, is a little more easier and you have, uh, I would say a lot more control on it. And I, I learned this method from uh, a couple, um, knife makers on Instagram. Um, if I can shout them out, that'd be cool. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. So, uh, James Grocer at uh, Grocer cutlery. Phenomenal. This guy, I, I started off literally just talking to this guy he taught me, he, he taught me everything. Just one guy who pretty much just started as me, you know, he was kind of like in the restaurant industry, started making knives and. So we, we got to talking and he actually really wants to help me out, which is pretty cool because, you know, I reached out to other people on Instagram and they pretty much tell me, like, f- figure it out yourself, you know. So yeah. reaching out to people is a huge thing. Um, so, yeah, going back to the, the two types of, of knife making, the stock removal is a huge thing now. Um, all the big companies that you know of, Wustoff um, and Sean, a, lo- a lot of them do forms of that. Um, and mm. then, you know, they also do like the, the original forging for their Damascus and, um, you know, higher, uh, grade steels. Okay. Awesome. And so like, cause you do, you have Damascus blades too, as well. Yes. So like, how does how, like that knife, the steel company gives you that as well? Or? So Damascus in the knife making world is a, is a very weird term. Um, knife makers don't really like the term. 
just because there really is no true Damascus, um, which is very weird. So um, this is probably what would be nice for you. Um, so a lot of steel makers, what they'll do is forge two different steels together or multiple different steels. And um, this will create a layering layering pattern, which then when you acid etch it, it reveals the, um, the layer patterns in it, right? Mm -hmm. um, so what that is, is pretty much the acid reacting differently to the different metals, which shows a Damascus pattern. Now, this isn't really true Damascus, but in the knife world, you know, when you see that, people think it's Damascus. So um, knife makers, this is like a huge word thrown around, Damascus. And I wanted to really like dive into it and say, like, what really is Damascus? And I'd never have gotten a straight answer. So um, Damascus, the proper way to do it would be to forge it um, and use very, very high quality steels. And some guys love to do it, but those blades, you know, are the, the, they demand the um, amount of attention and uh, money that they, that they are. Um, I know guys who sell the blades for, you know, anywhere from 500 to a thousand dollars. Yeah. Cause it's a true piece of art, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. And what's the, like, what's the advantage, I guess, of a Damascus blade? So Damascus, I mean, it's, it's purely cosmetic essentially. I mean, you can, anybody can ask any knife maker, you know, why, why do you even do it in the first place? And um, a lot of guys will say, look, the end result is why I do it. Um, it looks cool, right? Mm -hmm. um, not only that, but you also have really cool quality steels in there that you can work with. And it's also preference, you know? I mean, if you want to have really cool looking blades, you know, that's what you want to go for. Um, also, you know, the high quality steels obviously lead to better performance. Um, so, you know, guys that want to work with that quality steel, they stick with that steel because that's what they like and that's what their clients like, you know? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, that's great. Um, and so what other steels do you work with? Um, so currently I work with 440C stainless steel, um, which is my first line of steel. It's, 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 I, I essentially call it a lower grade steel um, because it's cheaper, but yeah. it's very tough. Um, it's very versatile, um, the way I grind it and shape it and stuff. Um, it really leads to a great knife. And it's, it's pr pretty much for any kind of, any kind of cook it works for home cook, you know, um, someone who, um, doesn't want to give their knife too much maintenance during the day. Um, so that's my first line. And then I also offer, um, a 1095, a higher carbon, which chefs really love the high carbon steels. Um, they're thin, they, they perform well, um, don't need too much maintenance, but, um, if you like a, if you like a sharp edge, like I, I me, my crew used to sharpen our edges, uh, every day after, after service, that was just our thing. Um, yeah. so yeah, 1095. And then I also use an OS eight and, um, sus combinations, uh, which leads to, uh, my Damascus blades. And, you know, I can actually do the hammer finishes and, um, you know, a stronger core lets me do, uh, better things on the outside for cosmetic effects, the D Damascus and the hammer finish and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And is hammer finish also just aesthetic or? Essentially, yes. I mean, uh, other knife makers will do different grooves on their blades. Um, this will help with uh, food not sticking to it, um, you know, just stuff like that. But yeah, essentially, it is cosmetic. And uh, how do you um, how do you achieve balance in a knife? Um, a lot of tinkering and um, playing around. Like when I first started, it was very hard because I, I like. I held a knife my whole life, you know, so I knew what it should feel like, how it should be. 
Um, so first starting out was very weird with that. Um, cause I would, you know, finish a knife, get the handle down perfect to where I wanted it, but the balance wasn't there. Mm. Um, so this, this will lead to, you know, removing more material on the handle, um, which I didn't want to do. So after, you know, talking to people, they say, Oh, in, in the tang itself, you can actually re remove steel to balance out the weight of the blade. If that, if that makes sense to you. Yeah. Yeah. So what that, what, the, what that essentially does is um, removes weight from the tang and lets your handle be the main focus to where, you know, so if, if you do want to do some crazy stuff to the handle, you know, adding like copper or steel to it, or even like a bone, which some, some chefs really like, um, that leads to a heavier handle. So you're going to want to remove some of this steel to balance that out. Uh, but balance is definitely key. And um, if that's not on point, then I do, do not shift the knife. I have to, I have to make sure that's perfect. Yeah, definitely. Um, and can you just go over the types of knives that, or like the the parts of the knives of, of the knife? I guess. Sorry, just so people know. Um, I know the part. I know some of the parts of the knives, but I feel like just for general audience' sake, like the heel, yeah, the tang and everything. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. So yeah, you have the the blade itself. Um, on the blade, um, you can definitely grind different bevels, um, which will mean you know. Small grooves on the bottom uh, goes into the cutting edge on the blade. And then when you turn the blade around, you'll have uh, what's known as the choil, which is um, the inside of the tang leading up to the cutting edge. And um, a lot of knife makers look at that part because if that's not pristine, then you know that your, your sanding isn't proper or, um, you know, you, you messed up along the way. Um, so then you have the tang, which is, you know, the handle part. Um, yeah. Uh, then you, the spine, which leads down the entire um, knife, which actually I started to round off the spine and I um, round off my finger area just for more comfort for your hand to wrap around the blade. Because I was never a fan of that. Just the square spine, if you're familiar. Mm. Yeah. Um, Wusoff does that. They have the, the, the squared spine, which is uh, it's OK, but it's not really for me. Um, and then, you know, you can move into the handle, which is. Um, the scales, which is the handle material itself. And then you have the knife pins and um, you can add on bolsters and stuff like that as well. All right. And um, what, I guess what's, uh, like, it, is it very hard to get the shape of a knife or do you have, you said trace, like you trace the knife, but you already have molds or? Um, yes. So yeah, first starting out, you know, uh, shout out to James Grocer again. Um, he told me to, get your, get your style down, you know, and have it set just for production purposes. Cause I mean, if you're trying to wing a knife every time and it doesn't come out perfect, it's not gonna, it's not gonna look the same. It's not gonna feel the same. Um, your balance might be off. So yes, yeah, certain knives I have, um, a, a exact shape for, which I'll then trace out, um, you know, the, the pinholes are in the exact spots. So everything needs to be exactly precise. Um, so that's another thing, like for people who, who want to get, into this um, craft, precision is key, um, mm -hmm. especially for any kind of woodworking or even in the kitchen. I mean, I feel, I don't know about for you when you're cooking, like when I'm cutting something or, you know, uh, it could be anything, even like putting stuff away, pre precision is key, I feel. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, so and when you're precise, like if you're not precise, you lose consistency and when you don't have consistency, things start to fall apart so i mean i imagine when you're running a small business that's like probably the most important thing is that precision and attention to detail 
Absolutely. And I have a question for you, actually. So talking about precision and, you know, consistency, especially in the mm. kitchen, in the kitchen, there was a huge thing where, you know, on my days off, I would hear like, oh, uh, some dishes got messed up or, you know, this went out, this didn't happen, blah, blah, blah. And it would hurt my soul to, to know that the consistency wasn't there. And um, that was a huge, huge, huge thing um, to hear, you know, that some guests are getting a certain experience and then other guests are getting a completely different experience. That is yeah. huge. That is huge to me because, you know, one person has a certain story. Like for guests, they have a certain story of how their experience went. Another table has a completely different experience and they might not even come back based on that experience. So mm -hmm. I want to know in, in your kitchen experience, pretty much um, how consistency uh, affects you or, 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 do, or do you like take aggression towards that? Meaning like, perfection essentially striving for for perfection yeah um you know that answer's kind of changed for me over the years uh, mm -hmm. i mean i i want wherever i've worked before like, i've always wanted each guest to be treated the same like but you know i really am not a, like sometimes i'm not a fan of even vips yeah every guest should get that perfect experience if that makes sense and of course exactly You'll have your regulars, um, and obviously, if people keep supporting you, they should feel like they're a part of something bigger. Um, but for me, like, it, it's all about balance, you know. And I feel like when you're at work, you strive for that consistency, and like you care, and even outside of work, you care. But there has to be a point, if like you know, for it to be sustainable, like as a career, where some days, like on your days off, where you just have to like, say, yeah, it's gonna bother you. But for me, just learning to set it aside and enjoy the time. I have was like people around me because knowing how much time is limited with them mm -hmm. to like worry about that and is taking away from the time of spending with like family or friends, which is agreed. You know, like for some people, like that's like not an option. Like you know, and there's nothing wrong with that. But like for me yeah. personally, like it took me a long time to realize that you know there's time for worrying and time for the kitchen, but there's also time for me where I have to be focused in on like people personal personally close to me in life so i guess finding Absolutely. that balance is important but consistency should be like for me consistency is like everything but like mm -hmm. you should also like you shouldn't be afraid to make mistakes but oh mistakes yeah should, they, they should come with good reasons they shouldn't come because you were lazy or you exactly didn't feel like doing anything right yes. so I, I i agree with you on that yeah absolutely yeah i mean mistakes make all the mistakes you want but i mean let it be uh, beneficial to, you know, what you're doing. Um, mm -hmm. You know, great outcomes come from mistakes. Um, yeah. Some of the best things come from mistakes. But, yeah, going back to your point of, you know, why did this mistake happen? Is it because of laziness? Is it because you didn't care or whatever? That's a huge issue that, you know, I had to pretty much break away from because um, it just was, I feel like, holding me back in a sense, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It definitely can. I mean, it's something that it can consume you and it can be everything to you. And like realizing that as important as your work is, it's just a plate of food. Like there, you have, you have to, I feel like this craft, you have to be super focused, but also super like aware that at the end of the day, like if someone has a bad experience at a restaurant, like it's, it shouldn't happen. But if it yeah. ever does happen, that's just a micro, like, cosm of their that person's life you know what i mean oh yeah absolutely even, even at the michelin restaurants if something doesn't go right like 
that person has so much more in life they're worrying about. And I feel like sometimes we overvalue how much a mistake is. And that's where you start to get like people getting stress and anxiety in the kitchen. And it's like, you know, you should try your best, but it shouldn't bother you to the point where you're like, you know, you're at home and it's just like, you can't sleep. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yep. And I've, I've actually had those nights. Yeah, me too. And I just, it's not healthy. It's not a healthy way of, it makes you not like your crap. That's very true. That is very true. So, but yeah, I think that's actually what happened to me. Um, Yeah, I mean, like, so cooking was my hobby, um, and I loved it so much. I did it every day, every day, every day. I still love it. Don't get me wrong. Um, But I think that's what happened. You know, I try to take it too seriously, and, you know, I guess I'm not going to say things didn't go my way because I don't want to sound selfish, but, I mean, things didn't go, like, the way that I thought they would go. I mean, I guess that's kind of selfish in a way. Um, But it was also, I feel like, me caring a little too much, um, and, you know, just seeing things slide. But, yeah, I really loved your take on, you know, keeping it calm and, you know, casual. Like, it doesn't have to be crazy at all the time. And that was another thing about the industry that I, I didn't like, um, which is, and I know you focus on this, um, spending time with your family, mental health. Um, the, the kitchen mentality is so old school. Like, you don't have to get beat up anymore, right? No, yeah, I agree. Um, I feel like mental health it plays a huge part. I used to work with chefs. Um, we would come in, work a 14-hour shift, come back for another 14. We got 18 the next day. And I see these guys, even look at myself in the mirror, we're, we're, we're burnt out. Mm-hmm. There's, there's nothing left. And I'm, I'm always thinking on the other side, hey, what if this guy uh, got you know, a full two days off, um, we hired somebody else, and uh, he can come back refreshed and you know, feel good and, and get the job done properly. Right. Yeah. yeah. I, I, don't, I don't know why that was always so hard. Um, I understand, you know, restaurant industry, some restaurants don't make an, a lot of money, but I feel like you benefit from having that consistency, having that fresh crew, um, you know, everyone on point. So that's kind of like my take on, on the way uh, working like the brigade should be, you know? Yeah, I agree. Awesome. Yeah, man. I mean, it's, it's a issue in the industry that hopefully like stuff like this and other podcasts and conversations and like people like you who are adding value to the industry in different ways, you know, it's, it's good. So, you know, I think we're in the right direction. It's cool to, uh, to take a step back from the kitchen. And, um, when, you know, when I first started, it's pretty much just focusing on my brand. Um, so a couple months ago, I started listening to um, a guy named Gary Vaynerchuk. Um, yeah. if you, have you heard of him? Oh, he's the reason I started this. Yeah. Dude, this guy changed my life. I'm not even kidding. Um, I'm glad that you started this because of Gary Vaynerchuk. Hopefully we can get his attention. But yeah, this guy changed my life. Um, four months into my business, you know, I was just doing my thing. Um, pretty, still working full time in a kitchen as well. Um, so I pretty much, you know, just got to like tell people about it. Friends pretty much about my knives bringing them into yeah. the restaurant, letting people like try them out and stuff. So that's pretty cool. Um, but yeah, then I found Gary Vaynerchuk somehow and he pretty much changed my life essentially, you know, um, content wise, marketing wise, business wise. Um, and he essentially gave me the confidence to just do it, you know? Yeah, definitely. I mean, he appeals, I feel like to a lot of like cooks or chefs or people in the industry 
because he's so high energy and he's so hyper focused on what he's doing and that same type of attention to detail and quality is what I feel like a lot of cooks strive for. So yes. I feel like they can relate to him. Maybe not, you know, he doesn't talk about cooking. He does yeah, yeah. chefs yeah. once in a while, but he really just talks about like, you know, working hard and grinding and making yes. like the most of your time. And I feel in the kitchen, that's all people focus on, like how the best cooks are the ones who make the most of their time. And so I think that's why he resonates with industry people like us so well. Absolutely. Yeah. And also his main goal, his main, main goal is happiness. Yeah. And, um, and, and then alongside that is enjoying your process. So, I mean, if you're, if you're going through your day and you know, you, you're not like in Monday, you're not like in Tuesday, your process is a little messed up just cause you know, you're not, you're not as happy as you should be. So mm-hmm. I love that his goal is, you know, just pure happiness. Yes, definitely. Whether it be, and he says, you know, hey, if you're happy watching Netflix 24 hours a day, all the power to you, you know, because you're happy. You're not going to make money, but (laughs) you'll be happy. Yeah. Yeah, and, like, a big thing with him is, like, if you're complaining, but you're not doing anything to fix that, you know, that's the issue. Absolutely. So I guess, like, after you had that turning point, like, how did you start? marketing it like how did you start marketing your brand did you always have like how did you come up with small plate chef like give me that story how you kind of built your brand up all right so small plate this is kind of a funny story um i was working at a spot can i can i say where i was working yeah okay oh, cool. so i i um when i got into fine dining i was working in prince new jersey i, I worked in a bunch of restaurants over there and that's pretty much how i elevated um from being like just a regular cook to a fine dining chef. Um, and I work with a lot of guys over there, spent probably the 68 years that I was talking about um, learning from, you know, guys who worked in Michelin star restaurants, um, you know, chefs who were on different TV shows and stuff like that, you know, Iron Chef. So it was really cool to, you know, focus on that. And I really just stuck with those guys. And when I tell you that I was grinding and learning as much as I could, I'm talking days off, come in early, stay late, like there's really no time for for myself um i really just want to be the best uh, which actually does lead to you know unhealthy habits um but yeah marketing um so when i first started it was like my buddy was like uh i like the small plates you do and i was like oh cool um i'm gonna create an instagram account and just share stuff didn't have a username so i just put small plate chef yeah um and then couple friends came in the next day and they were like, yo, what's up, small plate? And I was like, oh, that's, that's weird. Uh, but okay, I'll take it. Um, and then I pretty much just focus on, you know, brand at first. My first, uh, my first knife, like, you can go back, I only had two likes or three likes, you know, I didn't care. I, I really like the organic um, connection between uh, the people on Instagram, pretty much talking and saying like, um, how can I, how can I help you out? Like, how can I um, make you a knife that's better? Um, essentially just creating this, creating something different. Um, and then, you know, six months in or four months in, I found Gary Vaynerchuk and all his content. And I was like, wow, so this is how you do it. You know, being on Instagram, talking to people, pretty much just getting in the mix. Um, you know, if there's knife on Twitter, like knife talk on Twitter or Instagram, just get in the mix and talk, comment, um, getting out there. And and he always stresses about like, look, it's, this isn't the fifties anymore. You know, you don't have to just go get a job and work. You can just sit on your phone and, you know, essentially become an entrepreneur if you really think about it. Yeah. 
Um, but yeah, his huge thing is, is brand. And that, that really got me turned into that, you know, like my connection with my, 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 my fan base, essentially, that's more, that means more to me than, than the money that's coming in. You know, I'd rather have a very awesome group of people that respect my craft, you know, rather than be a billionaire. I don't want to be a billionaire. That's not my goal. My goal is mm. to, you know, make people happy, make myself happy. So doing this is really cool. And it's also made me a lot more humble because um, people that actually respect my craft, you know, I can go on Instagram and say, hey, I, I wanna, I'm going to give you a free T-shirt, which is, which is what I do. I do giveaways and raffles and stuff like that. Um, as soon as I get off this podcast, I'm sending out free stickers and shirts. So, yeah, definitely. So it's, it's really cool. And it's, um, I don't know, I, I feel, I'm honestly the happiest I've ever been in my life. Um, just doing this and, you know, doing my own thing and just meeting people along the way. And, you know, um, brand, like I said, that's, that's pretty much what I'm focused on. I love the connection. So. Awesome, man. Yeah, that's great to hear. And so any, like, so you start marketing and obviously like you, you have 3000 plus followers on Instagram. Um, so how, how do you think, how do you feel Instagram's like helped you gain business? Cause I feel like a lot of clips don't realize that they have a resource at their fingertips that they're not using to get awareness of whatever they do. Yeah, this is, this is a huge mistake. Uh, um, so yeah, chefs and Instagram. So yeah, for a lot of cooks out there um, or even people in general who, you know, want to post a lot of content. A lot of people are, I don't want to say intimidated, but, you know, um, kind of scared a little because, you know, it's kind of a, an excuse game. People are saying, oh, it doesn't look that good. Or, you know, I might not get that many likes or this and that. Doesn't matter. Post it out there and, you know, just get going with it. Because one piece of content, everyone in this world is one piece of content away from getting a hits, you know? Yeah. If you truly think about it. Yep, you're right. You're one piece of content away from like kind of changing your life in a sense. Mm -hmm. 50 years ago, you couldn't do that. No. Now, yeah, you can. Just by sitting in your bed and being on your phone. Um, yeah, definitely. So yeah, I would recommend every chef or every person that has any kind of hobby or craft or anything. Instagram is the best platform right now. Um, you know, Gary Vaynerchuk talks about this all the time. There's no floor for doing ads or anything like that. So ads and all that are very dirt cheap. So getting your product out there or getting your name or business, whatever it be, um, now is the time to do it. Um, yeah, I just saw an ad of yours actually across my feed the other day. Oh, did you really? Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, I mean, yeah. that's the thing. I mean, like I said, you're one piece of content away. So share, like, what, what, what's the worst that can happen, you know? Definitely. Definitely. You get one, you'll get one like. Yeah, <laughs> and then you build more, and yeah, it's good. Yeah, we could. I mean, honestly, we could all day about it. Uh, there's so much out there. Um, but uh, what I do want to get back to is like, so with your knives. So, I guess you started building a brand. You started. You said you like really like to design the handles. So, where does the inspiration for the handles come in? How do you design them? Like, how do you dye a handle? How do you color them? I guess. Like, what's what's the process for that? Because your yeah, handles yeah. are beautiful. This is um th this process is really really fun. This is actually what really got me into it. Um, obviously the steel and the knife making, but the handles. Um, so one thing that I love to do with my brand, um, and what I'm trying to do eventually, is pretty much um, showcase local businesses and talents. Just because I think um, corporations are almost a dying breed in a sense. 
Um, yeah. Just with the, you know, with pretty much our, our generation, I feel like, you know, we like small businesses. We like quality and stuff like that. Um, so, yeah, the, the huge thing that I really like about the knives are the handles. Now, when I first started, um, that was a huge thing that I tried to get into because I was like, how can I separate myself from other people, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so learning it into the woodworking, dyeing and stabilizing and, um, you know, working with woods. So I'm going to go into a little detail about the woods that we use for knife making. Um, we use stabilized woods, which is um, pretty much a wood that's been saturated um, in a solution that closes all the pores and, you know, makes it prone to cracking and drying and everything else. So, yeah, we use stabilized woods. And then from there, you can mix it with the resin um, and epoxy. So it's pretty much just epoxy with pigments inside, um, adding any colors and stuff. Um, I also add honeycomb um, to it to get that cool effect. I'm not sure if you've seen any of those handles that I've done. Um, um, Do you have a description of them, the honeycomb, or...? So it, it's pretty, it really looks like honeycomb. It's, um, it's a silver honeycomb. So if you actually think about what honeycomb looks like, it's pretty mm-hmm. much um, just a piece of honeycomb that you put into the epoxy. And um, once it cures um, and then you cut into it, you'll have the, the, uh, the honeycomb filled with the resin. And it looks really cool. Um, I would love to share a picture with you just so you can, um, you know, get an idea of what I'm actually talking about. Yeah, definitely. Um, so, yeah, so the whole process, that's another thing I learned on Instagram, too, just reaching out to people, watching videos. Um, a lot of guys, um, shout out to JTP Concepts. This guy is awesome. He does a lot of resin work, um, a lot of woodwork and resin work, actually. His setup is very intricate. He has um, vacuum chambers and stuff like that. So w- when you pour the resin into the mold with the wood, you put it into mm. a vacuum chamber, which essentially releases all the bubbles and the gas from the resin um, and then turns it into like a nice hard block that you can cut up into your handle material. So um, when I first started getting into that, that was a little fun for me because it was pretty much like a science experiment, right? Um, yeah. Now, once I was on Instagram and finding everyone else making handle materials, I got this idea of I want to showcase other makers with my knives which is you know pretty much just um like having a um i don't know pretty much like a collaboration essentially right yeah so with my knives now i'll do different knives showcasing um you know um different make different handle makers um valhalla design shout out to him i'm doing a couple knives with him right now his handle material is amazing so when i get his handle material i can look at it i can learn i can see the things he's doing with it not only that, I get to showcase his work on my knife, which is really cool. That's awesome. Yeah. That's great, man. That's awesome that you're collaborating and kind of working with others. Yeah. I, mean, then that I, I, think it's, more. I think it's cool to to bring people up. I mean, like, cause I, like the competitive field is it's it's crazy. Like even the restaurant industry is very, very competitive. Um Knife making, it's still competitive, but now I can do it, you know, more subtly and I can add people to collab with. I have um, a big thing in the works right now. I have a, uh, a a maker in Australia who does knife rolls and aprons and stuff like that. And she's yeah, joining the small plate team. Um, so we'll, we'll be releasing uh, matching knife rolls and knives. Awesome, man. Yeah, so, yeah that's great. The, and the cool thing that I want to start is she's part of the small plate team, right? But mm. she's also, I she's selling under her brand. 
Okay. So that's kind of like something I'm trying to start. So essentially my goal, if you think about it, um, I would like to have a storefront one day. This is way down the road, but having my knives in there, other knife makers in there, custom aprons, custom knife rolls, you know, all small businesses, no corporation stuff. Okay. How do you feel about that? I, mean, I think it's cool that you want a storefront. Um, I think it's cool, you know, that you're really focused on small on small businesses. Um, you know, there definitely are corporations out there who, you know, are like one that comes to mind for me is like Chefworks. Like that brand is for me like a valuable brand to cook. So there, are, I do feel like there are good corporations too. I don't. See oh, absolutely, absolutely. But like, I do, I do like your focus on like local or at least small business business branding because you're just you're doing it with people who are your size which is respectable yeah yeah Absolutely. yeah, so yeah don't get me wrong there's definitely corporations out there that do it right um and i'm not saying like every corporation is bad but i'm saying i feel like the way uh the way our, our generation and you know other generations are going we like that more creative side you know um the new yeah. stuff and um i feel like that's that's where it's going yeah definitely um, and then talk to me about uh, like what it, like what does the knife grit mean? Like what what does grit matter to a knife? Like I'm on your post, I saw like three twenty grit. Like what does that mean? Oh, grit, grit, grit. Oh yeah. Um, so this is uh, a form of sanding. Um, so the grit kind of gives it a different finish. Um, so for my knives, I'll do a satin finish, which is you know I'll sand the blade down. And w when I'm sanding, which is what this is doing, is essentially flattening the blade out to. Um, to the different areas that I want it nice and thin, mostly on the cutting edge, obviously. Um, but this is also, it flattens the blade out because, you know, I can't get them on a bent blade. Um, so what I like to do is sand it um, from 100 grit up to uh, 320, and then sometimes I'll even go into 600. But it depends on what the client wants. Um, if they want a mirror finish, that's something, that's something I haven't done yet. I haven't gotten a request for that, a mirror finish. I know that is very, very hard and very time consuming, but it's pretty much just all sanding. So yeah, it's sandpaper. I'll start off a hundred grit and then I'll work up to the 320 grit. And um, what I like to do is finish on an abrasive belt, which gives it a very nice smooth finish. Um, pretty much what you're familiar with, with every knife, that regular satin finish. Okay. Um, and then another thing I do, I just started doing techniques with acid etching, um, I'll add wax onto my blade and then, you know, dip it into the acid and this gives it like a cool paint, paint splatter effect or, you know, everyone's different. So it's pretty much w what you would want on your blade, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. man. And uh, for a young cook starting out, what is like from you, like what would be the best knife for them to kind of get a hold on? Um, young cook. So it's definitely maybe, like, not a, maybe not a young cook, but like, uh, someone who's one or two years in the industry. Because, you know, you get your first knife and it sometimes isn't the greatest. And then, so maybe someone yeah. just trying to up their knife game. Like what, from you, like what do you suggest? Yeah, so I feel like a lot of chefs, they always start off with, you know, um, the basic knives, which is, you know, your chef knife. And it, even if they'll get a set, it'll be like, you know, the chef knife, the boning knife, the filet knife. Um, weirdly enough, when I was cooking, I knives. I really loved, my favorite knife of all time is a Nikiri. Um, very versatile. It worked for everything that I was doing, you know, and then I would have an all purpose chef knife. Um, nothing big. I, I didn't like anything over eight inches. That's just me. 6.5 yeah. 6. to 7.5 is just what I like. Um, so I feel like 
getting your hands on. That's the most important part. Like when you're first starting out, or even if you're in the industry, you haven't held every knife yet. So you don't know, you don't know what truly works for you. So I feel like getting your hands onto everything um, makes a huge difference. Um, so I would say definitely an all-purpose chef knife, nothing too crazy. Um, a lot of executive chefs that I work with, or even when I was in the kitchen, they used to have, you know, 10 to 12 inch chef knives, which I always thought was too big, but hey, that's their preference, you know, that's what they like. Yeah. Um, so yeah, definitely starting out, I would have a, um, or even have an all-purpose chef knife that's pretty much your baby like your all-purpose um versatile um you know your your go-to um nikiri i really like but that's definitely preference um fillet knife absolutely depending on what your work is too i mean if you're working at a cafe you probably don't need a fillet knife yeah uh, and can they get the can people get all this from you yes i do i do fillet knives i do bony knives i do it all um what i don't do Cause I just, I, I know other makers on, um, on Instagram who are like very, very, very good at the Japanese steels and the Japanese knives. So that's not my style. So I've done a couple for, for requests for friends. Um, but that's not my style. And I know I can't execute it the way that I would like to execute it. If that, if that makes sense, the Japanese yeah. knife game is a whole different realm. Okay. I'm talking like the, cause if you, if you go online and, you know, you study Japanese knife making, that art form is very, very true. And um, when I do a Japanese knife, I will get um, the steel from a Japanese maker in Japan just because mm -hmm. I, re I respect that that art form, you know. Um, yeah. He uses, like, Japanese, like, white number two steel that he actually forges. Itself. And it's, like, so the quality there, it's kind of like it's kind of like respect, you know. I wouldn't want to get some cheap blade over here and, you know, um, work with it or, or cheap steel. I mean, rather, you know, get a proper, proper steel from Japan. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. Um, and lastly, or I guess the last couple of questions, um, if people want to get into like their knife making, obviously you want them to buy from you, but if they ever wanted to like try their own knife making, is there like, so you gave some Instagram people's names is there like any books you've read or like any youtube videos that really stuck out to you or just is it based just research online um so yeah, like when i first started off it was pretty much just endless research you know i was going crazy search 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 just non-stop and then you know once you find out like what you like what kind of styles you like then you can start reaching out to specific specific people um like i said um earlier i did um grocer cutlery so I really just clung to him and uh, try to try to just drain him of as much um, information as I can get. Um, uh, a Japanese knife maker that I really like and everyone should check out is Oatly Knives. This guy is huge and his knives are pristine. Um, I get a lot of a uh, lot of inspiration from him. Um, not only that, but DCB knives, um, DCB knives, very great knives. I followed him pretty much inspiration. I, I always reach out for inspiration. And like I said, there's a lot of guys who are always willing to help. So for someone who, you know, wants to, or buy from me or, or get into knife making, I'm here to help hundred um, percent. There's a couple of guys who, who actually, you know, today I had someone reach out. He said, I work with metal, but I don't know what to do with knives. And I said, I'm doing a podcast. As soon as I'm finishing up, We'll, we'll video chat and I'll, I'll teach you everything you want to know. Um, he was also curious about the way I do my handles or like where I got my handle material from. 
So, I mean, like, I, I think lending a hand to people who want, want to start off is, is huge, you know? Yeah. Be nice. I mean, be humble. Yeah, man. So, yeah, That's if you awesome. want to start off, if, if anyone wants to start off, yeah, absolutely contact me. Um, I can get you into contact with anybody who, like, you know, if you like their work, um, you can, you know, cling to their style and, you know, get information from them. But, yeah, starting off, I mean, I would love to help out anybody who, who's interested, um, you know, couple machines you know start an instagram page you know really get into it it's 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 not as hard i mean start starting anything is not as hard as, as people think it is mm-hmm. if, that makes, if that makes sense i mean the the idea in your head is is more hard than the execution if that really makes sense if you think about it because in your head you know you're thinking oh i i need to start this or how can i start this or whatever but once you're actually get, get your feet in it's just you know, it's 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 up from there. Man, that's me like podcasting. Like I thought I needed all this equipment and all these like sites to host me, but with Anchor, I mean, it's very easy. And all I really needed was a mic and a headset. So I mean, once you really just like start something, you realize how like when you start out, how little you might need. So exactly, yeah, yeah, man. I I really like this podcast too. I really like what you're going for. Um, and I really like that you know you pretty, were pretty much just like me, like, all right, I want to do something and you do it. Yeah. Thank think, you for that. Man. It means a lot. Yeah. I think that's awesome, man. Um, and I also really enjoy that you're giving a platform for people to, you know, express because the, the, the industry, the, the restaurant industry needs to be talked about more. Um, I don't know why it's not talked about enough. And I'm not saying like um, chefs and, and celebrity chefs and this and that. I'm talking like, the actual industry you know mm-hmm. yeah definitely man i mean well that was my next question is like what does it mean for you to like be a part of this but you know i think you covered it yeah in I mean, sense. yeah i mean i i, I want to go a little bit more into it because i mean you um you're, you're changing the game and i feel like um a, a very nice road right now to 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 do that um just like me in a sense i mean i'm, I'm definitely not nowhere near where i want to be you know a lot of people even on Instagram, they say like, oh, how, how did you start your business? Or how do you keep it going? And, you know, like, are you successful? And I'm, my always thing is like going back to Gary Vee. And I'm like, like pertaining to football, this isn't, I'm not even at halftime yet. I'm not, I'm still in the locker room putting my pads on. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like, you know, you're doing the same thing. Like, you, you you got a couple people on here. You're doing your thing, but yeah, you're, you're still putting your pads on, man. You're, you're you haven't even begun. Yeah, I know. I mean, that's that's like the big thing for me is like keep because there's some like I'm sure you've experienced there's some times where it's like you know my Instagram growth wasn't as great, and you know you're not supposed to worry about the numbers, but you know you tend to because you're like Absolutely. well maybe this isn't resonating with as many people as I thought it would, but then it grows, and then you get messages from people like you know really enjoy this. So I mean, it's been good, and I definitely. I don't like want to grow out of a selfish way. I want to grow so we can keep talking about it, like you said. So, I mean, I, I do hope it's it gets larger and larger, and hopefully, like, is a big part of the industry one day. Yeah, so. man, it, it will keep doing keep doing what you're doing, and it definitely will. And um, going back to you know the, the 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 likes and the numbers and stuff like that, it's all based on it. it, it essentially, just an insecurity, you know. Um, <laughs> and then a lot of people want to say, "Oh, the algorithm on on Instagram is messed up." Blah blah blah. Yeah, but you know your content's out there, and you have that organic fan base. They're gonna they're gonna watch. They're gonna listen. Uh, yeah, they're, they're gonna check you out. 
So yes. that's that's also going back to the brand too. You know, if you have that brand that 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 organic um, reach of your your people, you're set. Yeah, definitely. And what you mean? And it's very like for me, like we I have fifteen hundred followers, but it's like very active. Absolutely. Followers, we talk and connect, so it's been yeah. good. Yeah, like um like that fifteen hundred followers, that that strong fifteen hundred followers is much better than a loose million followers. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's just how it is. Yeah, I know what you mean. It's yeah, it's definitely been good, and like like I said, like help it grows, but like, and yeah, man, I mean, it's cool to see you. Like, it's cool to see someone else doing, like, you're making your own knives, you're starting your own business from scratch, and I think that's to be respected a lot as well so i you know wish you the best of luck with everything and hopefully my hope with this podcast is that you get a couple more customers thank to you organize from yeah absolutely i mean i thanks for having me on i really you know i'm gonna i'm gonna push you as much as i can um and i'm gonna rep you and i will 100 percent be sending you a knife oh awesome man that means a lot <laughs> you got it thank man you. and i'll also, yeah. also send you a t-shirt too and you know you could check my product out and get your hands on it because that's like that's really what i want to do like you know making sales is cool and all but getting my product out and you know having pretty much hands-on is is what i'm going for i want people to uh to see that there's other stuff out there in the world yeah man i mean definitely like you know like i would love to like do like work with it and like you know give an opinion on it but like from what i see i've like expect nothing but great things from a knife but also like a big thing for me starting this is like, I really want other people to get connected and to promote whatever they're doing. Like, I don't know if you saw, I shared like the hell's kitchen poster mm-hmm. and a lot of people, apply, a good amount of people messaged me saying they applied. And like, I'm hoping these people get in and like, Oh wow. With you, if I can, like if I can get you 10 more customers or at least one, but like my goal from this is to get you 10 customers, like 10 of my listeners to go and buy a knife from you. Like if I can get you that, like that means a lot. That, makes me feel like i did my job you know what i mean absolutely absolutely man so, so i mean like you coming on helps me because it gives me more content it's we had i think we had a great discussion about knife making yes but it's going to hopefully get you a whole new audience or fan base that you might not have had absolutely so. yeah, yeah yeah absolutely and you know um going back to uh the instagram and all the, all the platforms and you know reaching out there content now is everything um and I feel like you are making um, precious content, you know, not just content, just to put out there, if that makes sense. Actually, mm-hmm. you know, stuff that it has value and means something. And that resonates a lot better with people um, that actually care um, instead of just, you know, going on their feed and just scrolling through something, you know? Yeah, definitely. Awesome. Well, I appreciate you being on the podcast. And like I said, once we get going, I'd, you know, share anything you want to sh- share and, for everyone listening, like go buy a knife, like go check out his page. Like he makes beautiful handles and beautiful knives. And yeah, I just wish you the best of luck, Dylan. Thank you so much, Ray. I really appreciate it, man. Yeah, we'll talk to you later. All right, see you. So there you have it, the interview with Dylan Mara. Once again, thank you so much for listening. And I'm forever grateful for everyone that tunes in every week. I'm Really happy to have this back up and running. I, you know, this is gonna be a weekly thing now. I have interviews lined up for you to listen to for the next two months so far. Like I'm already two months ahead. A lot of great content coming your way. Uh, I want to do a little bit more on Instagram in terms of talking to y'all, maybe via live or 
you know, putting out videos more often on that. But, you know, let me make sure you like keep letting me know what you like, what you dislike, if there's anything you want to see that maybe I did in the past as a trial but haven't really done so far. But once again, thank you for the support, and it means so much. And if you don't know already, I do have merchandise out. I just got – I'm just placing an order now for more medium black shirts. I'm sorry for those of you who messaged me who aren't able to buy them. But um, it's linecookthoughts.com, and you get to rep, you know, Line Cook Nation and spread our message and spread what we're all about. Thank you so much for everything, Line Cook Nation, and I'll see you next week.